and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, go ahead and do so. I come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning that you're going to want to check out. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at SpeakADogCast. Yes, an excellent show lined up today. But first, I want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes, Happy Thanksgiving to all my American friends out there. Absolutely. It is one of my favorite holidays. All kinds of great food, great desserts. Oh, yeah. And all kinds of drinks as well. So please, everybody, have a safe, have a wonderful, and happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Spend it with family, spend it with friends, and of course, take that time to reflect and be grateful and thankful for everything that we have. So enjoy the holiday out there. Uh, But before you go enjoy that holiday, enjoy the podcast. Yes, our first segment today is going to be Thanksgiving with your dog. We're going to talk more about the foods that we can and can't give our dogs, uh, maybe how we deal with some of our dog's behavior and having all those guests over and everything that goes with that. Then we're going to have a segment called Letting Your Dogs on Furniture. Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? How do we do it? Should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? All that good stuff and more. Then the Breed of the Week, followed by that listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, dog-related, animal-related, training-related, send it over my way. Questions at speakadogcast.com. But before we get going with the show today, have to give you that trivia question. And of course, it's a Thanksgiving-themed question. And the question is, where is the turkey native to? Yes, where is that turkey from? I'll give you the answer in the show today. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, talking turkey with your dog. Happy, happy turkey day. Hunger pains will go away. When you hear a pilgrim say it's happy turkey day. Yes, now a big happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You know, a great time of year. It's one of my favorite holidays because it's food centric and I love food, (laughs) right? But that's one of the things we have to talk about with our dogs, the food and the holidays. You know, they don't always mix in a good way. They don't. And especially Thanksgiving is one of those where there's a lot of things with food that we need to be aware of with our dogs. We're going to talk more about that. But then there's also the side of, hey, just we're going to have visitors over. We're going to have family in town. It's stressful enough as it is, <laughs> right? Maybe maybe some of the family members that are coming are not your favorite people and you're feeling stressed. Your dog might feel that stress. And so we want to make sure we do everything in our power to help alleviate that stress for them. Uh, and then, of course, once the day comes where everybody's coming over and it, it is Thanksgiving, we have to deal with all the guests coming over and, and, and our, maybe our dogs aren't the best at that. And so ways we can go about working on that, uh, you know, just some tips and tricks today on how to set our dogs up for success when it comes to Thanksgiving. So I think the first thing we're going to talk about, though, is the food. I think that's just where it's got to start, because it's always a question people have for me is, David, can I give my dog any leftovers? Can I give them turkey? Uh, and, you know, let's let's just start with the yes stuff. (laughs) Let's start with the stuff your dog can have on Thanksgiving, things that are okay for your dog to have. Now, guys, uh, you know, when it comes to people food, I don't really ever have a problem when it's natural stuff. You know, Um, you've heard my thoughts on people food. And to me, it's more about context. I mean, I'm not a big advocate of feeding dogs people food just in general. 
mainly because of the context, mainly because people don't set up the context correctly to prevent begging and prevent dogs from jumping on counters to get food, that kind of stuff. So it's almost easier just to say, hey, let's just separate dogs and people food, right? But if you want your dog to have something on Thanksgiving, look, it's your rules, it's your dog to each his own. And if you're going to do that, just know what foods are okay. So the yes foods are more on the side of natural foods, sweet potatoes, green beans, apple, uh, apples, pumpkin, those things on their own are great for dogs. You know, you might even find a lot of dog foods out there that actually have some or all of these ingredients uh, in them. So these are okay things. The problem becomes when we make a recipe, <laughs> when we make a casserole, right? Um, so these are all foods that are perfectly okay on their own. As a matter of fact, you know, sometimes I use sweet potatoes, maybe even as a treat for the dogs, occasionally on a rare occasion, just boil up some potatoes, sweet potatoes and water. Uh, sometimes we can use sweet potatoes, yams to actually help dogs gain weight a little bit. So, you know, all these foods definitely have their have their purpose sometimes, maybe just as a treat, but sometimes as a way to uh, to get some weight on. So these are things that even non-Thanksgiving time, we can feed our dogs in a, in a healthy way, right? Now, I always recommend that when we're feeding anything, all in moderation, guys, all in moderation. We don't want to give our dogs a whole giant plate of sweet potatoes and um, not think there could be some digestive issues that might come along with that too much of any good thing, right? So when it comes to holidays and your dogs, I want you to think natural foods are more going to be in the yes category. And of course, it's natural foods before they've been doctored up, before they've been made into a recipe, before we've thrown a ton of sugar and marshmallows <laughs> on top of them, you know? So that kind of takes us to the no categories, because quite frankly, the yes categories on Thanksgiving, it's pretty short. I mean, it's all the, <laughs> it's all the veggies and, and fruits that we have. That it's a, It's a short list. The no list becomes a little more extensive. Look, Turkey is the first thing on the list. You'll hear some people say yes to turkey. I find most veterinarians are going to say no to turkey. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why. I don't want to necessarily, I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking down why each individual ingredient is worse than another. And we're going to talk about a few of them, but we're not going to talk about all of them. So my rule of thumb really comes to just stay away from the turkey. Stay away from the turkey itself. Stay away from the turkey bones. Now, that one is not up for debate. No bones about it, guys. Uh, no bones. Turkey bones can be really bad. They can splinter. They can actually uh, rip up their throat, their stomachs. It can cause some serious and even potentially life-threatening issues. So I know some people want to give their dogs bones. It's not healthy, guys. It's not okay. It's really not. It could potentially cause some serious, serious issues. Okay, Turkey skin gravy. These are also on the no-no list. All right. So really to me is, hey, anything associated with the turkey, it can't be given to your dog. Okay. It's just not safe. It's just not healthy. Look, if they get a little piece of turkey here, a little piece of turkey there um, on the floor that they maybe pick up a little tiny scrap, that's one thing. Um, it's still not good for them, right? <laughs> We're still not, we still don't want to be doing that, but it's going to happen a little bit if you have a dog and you're hosting Thanksgiving, okay? Uh, but just keep that in mind. No turkey, no bones, no skin, no gravy, none of that stuff. Speaking of stuff, avoid the stuffing. Yeah, your dog shouldn't be eating stuffing either. There's things in there that are not good for them. Casseroles, you know, as we just talked about, we can have sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole. Look, some of my favorite stuff on Thanksgiving. I love those things, but for a dog, it's really bad. 
You know, I know what I put in, <laughs> I like to cook. I know what I put in my green bean casserole. I know what I put in my sweet potato casserole. And it's bad enough for us as it is. <laughs> it's not exactly healthy. <laughs> it's delicious, but it's not healthy. So if it's not healthy for us, then imagine what it's doing to your dog. Okay. Seriously, we're like, really think about that. Uh, if all these things that we eat on Thanksgiving, it's meant to be a little bit gluttonous, to be thankful, to be grateful for everything we have, and we have the ability to fill our stomachs and feel full, and it's 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 wonderful, and it's a great thing to be thankful for. But we 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 do those things because they're they're not so good for us, right? So again, it's just not going to be good for your dog. Okay, so those casseroles, once we've doctored up the green beans, we can't, oh, look, it's green beans. We can give it to the dog. No, <laughs> don't break those rules, guys. The fried onions that go on a green bean casserole, like, need I say more? Onions are not good for dogs. Frying it extra, not good. Now we're putting it on a casserole with green, just not good stuff, all right? So just, just keep that in mind. Next one, raisins, raisins and grapes. Most people know that. Raisins and grapes can be really toxic for your dogs. Look, I, you, you, you'll read that even one grape can kill a dog. And you don't really know the tolerance. It's not necessarily dependent upon size of the dog. So it's much easier just to avoid grapes and raisins. Chocolate. Chocolate's the next one. We all know it. Lots of chocolate on the holidays. And we have to keep our dogs away from it, right? Dark chocolate is worse than any other kind of chocolate for your dog. Baking chocolates also tend to be a little, uh, a, a little more harmful. But chocolate in general is really not good stuff. Everybody knows it. And one of the other reasons why is we've talked about, I don't know how many times now on this podcast, but I love repeating it because it's worth repeating. Uh, get the information out there. Xylitol. Yes. Talked about it a few times. Xylitol. That's that artificial sweetener that's finding its way into a lot of sweets now, guys. Peanut butters, chocolates, all kinds of stuff. So please, please be careful. Highly, highly, highly toxic to dogs. I need y'all to be on the lookout for xylitol and make sure you're keeping it out of your reach for your dogs, okay? Uh, fatty foods. Fatty foods are also really not good for dogs, hard to digest. As I just talked about a minute ago, onions, onions, scallions, garlic, again, not good stuff, can be very bad for your dog, okay? This should go without saying this next one. I mean, come on, it really should. Guys, don't give alcoholic beverages to your dogs. <laughs> no beer for Fluffy, no cider, all right? No bourbon, no rum, uh, none of that stuff for your dog. I, I like, I, I, It pains me to even have to say no alcohol for your dogs, but you know what? It's usually Uncle Bob that's trying to feed our, our, our dogs a sip of beer. Stop it, Uncle Bob. <laughs> Everyone's got an Uncle Bob out there. Don't let them feed your dog beer. Really bad stuff. Now, another thing uh, that people may not know about, yeast dough. Yeah, yeast dough can actually cause severe and sometimes painful gas and potentially cause some dangerous bloating. Yeah, yeast dough. So keep that out of reach. Breads, all that kind of stuff should not be within reach of your dog. Now, the other thing, trash bags. This isn't a food thing, but it's a food-related item, right? We're throwing the turkey bones away, the turkey carcass. Your dog's nose is going to know. <laughs> please, please, please be careful while we're leaving trash bags because sometimes, you know, you're, you're walking around, you're, you're dumping everything into the trash bag and then you set the trash bag down in the kitchen on the floor. You don't think about it. You turn and walk away for a minute. Next thing you know, your dog is face first in that trash bag getting those turkey bones. Really dangerous stuff. Look, guys, there's, there is a very clear correlation in an uptick with vet visits and the holidays. 
And most, you know, the biggest reasons why, the biggest reasons why are foods and things they shouldn't be getting into, okay? So the thing with all of this food-related stuff is to me, it's very all, it's all very much preventable. Keeping these foods out of reach of your dog, knowing your dog's habits, um, these are all really important things to keep in mind because the holidays, you're going to be distracted. You're going to be cooking. You're going to be distracted by your friends and family and you're entertaining and right, you know, you should be, you should be enjoying the holiday. So keep in mind of what you need to do to manage this, to make sure your dog is staying healthy and alive for that matter, guys, because some of these are serious life or death type situations with some of these things, okay? So I'm not trying to kind of like take it on down to a low note here, but uh, again, there is a clear correlation with holidays and vet visits, uh, you know, an uptick in the amount of vet visits seen across the country. So please be careful, please, please, please. And that kind of brings us to the next point is managing your dog's behavior, right? This this starts to bring us toward like, uh, uh, you know, actually Thanksgiving day and when we start having family come in town, and, and what we should do, dealing with your relatives, right? Uh, so let's, let's kind of talk about that. Now, to me, there's, there's sort of a difference between managing behaviors when you have a lot of people at your house and then maybe trying to attempt to work through those behaviors, having, having it turn into a training process. So look, guys, full-blown honesty time. If you haven't had a ton of practice with your dog, let's say your dog has issues uh, with little kids or has issues with crowds of people or maybe just gets too overexcited, maybe gets scared. Maybe it's one. The point is maybe there's an issue there that Thanksgiving could potentially cause an issue with. If you haven't trained your dog to work through these issues, if you haven't had enough practice, no problem. You know what I mean? Not a problem. Let's talk about managing the behavior versus trying to fix it then. There's nothing wrong with this. If your dog needs to go in a bedroom for for the day, if your dog needs to be crated for a little while while people are there, guys, there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to manage the behavior, stress yourself out less, and of course, stress your dog out less, right? So keep that in mind. Now, at the same time, if you want to turn it into a training opportunity, I am all for that. Look, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. I just took a dog home uh, from boot camp the other day. Love her. She's a sweet little dog. She really is. And she's doing great. She was doing great in her training and the return session went really well. And of course, this is like right before Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> I'm taking this dog back and I'm unloading all this information, this training information on them. And then, you know, like two days later, family's coming in town and then it's going to be Thanksgiving. And I mean, it's a lot, you know, <laughs> like it's it's kind of unfair of me. Uh, it's just the timing of it, you know, but it's kind of unfair to to throw that all on them. And so that was the question is, what do we do for Thanksgiving? You know, here we are, we're still learning. We're still learning how to implement all the training and get everything consistent. Um, and so what should we do? And it's a great question. You know, what should you do with your dog during Thanksgiving? Um, and, and that's that point. They haven't spent a ton of time working through the training yet. You know, it's only been a day, <laughs> two days. Um, so they need time to work through the training to feel comfortable, to be able to start inviting guests. So I told him, I said, look, you know, you got two options. She's been, you know, she, we, we did a boot camp. We've done the training. So the cool thing is she now has a foundational building building blocks to work off of. She has information to work off of. So if you guys do want to work through this, awesome. Just know it might take away from your holiday a little bit. You know, you are going to have to turn on and tune into your dog and work them through it. Now, extra curveball, two extra dogs are going to be coming <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day. Now, her dog is good with other dogs. She really 
but it's just adding that extra stress. It's like saying, oh, three more kids are coming to Thanksgiving this year. You know, it's like, oh, they're not mine, but they're going to be here and they're kids, right? You're going to have to deal with it <laughs> one way or the other, whether it's making extra food or what have you, something else has to be done. And so that was my point. You know, something else has to be done. So guys, doggy day camps, some doggy day, a lot, most doggy day camp facilities are open or at least open on the holidays for drop off, right? Maybe doggy day camp is what you should do for your dog. And that's actually even what I suggested to my client. I said, look, th there is no right and wrong answer here. It's up to your personal preference. But you can bring your dog to doggy day camp for Thanksgiving Day and let me work through that. Because when I do doggy day camp on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, it's it's still Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm still going to have either family over or go over to family, uh, their house, and I'm going to have dogs with me and we're going to train and we're going to work through it. Now, you know, I, I usually work a lot of the holidays and uh, that's okay because to me, it's a good training opportunity for the dogs and it allows me to, to set up similar scenarios and situations that are going to happen just like for my clients. You know, it's no different. So it's an opportunity. Anyway, uh, getting back to it, the client wants to take the dog and train her. I love it. Awesome. And I told him, hey, even last minute, you know, if you need to call me and go, hey, it's a little much, no big deal. <laughs> we, can, we can work it out. Um, but that's the point, guys. You have to take into consideration, do we need to manage this behavior or do we want to try to work through it? Does my dog have maybe some particular triggers and and things in their behavior that we need to work through before I can expect them to deal with 30 people here in our house. You know, it's a matter of managing behavior sometimes. So I just kind of wanted to point that out, that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with putting your dog in a room for a couple hours, putting your dog in a crate for a couple hours to reduce their stress and yours. That's a good thing, okay? It's better than having it all, you know, go the other direction, okay? So just keep that in mind. Now... Let's say your relatives are coming in town, they're bringing their dogs. Look, we've talked about introductions with other dogs before. I'm just going to kind of put this in a nutshell. If you have relatives bringing other dogs, the best way to introduce them if they've never met, and even if they have met, this still doesn't hurt. And if anything, it'll keep it calmer overall. The best way to do the introduction is outside your home on leash. Okay. We're not going to get into too much detail, but we really, what we want to do is get them ignoring each other from a distance and try to move closer and closer to the point that maybe we can get about 10 feet away and they don't really care about each other anymore. Once they don't care about each other without having to say hi, without having, you know, without any interaction, without any physical interaction, then it'll be a lot calmer once they do say hi. But if they're really hyped up and they're losing their mind and we immediately go over and say hi to each other, that kind of sets the tone for saying, hey, let's be chaotic and crazy. And that's not what we want on Thanksgiving Day. Um, <laughs> we don't need our dogs being out of control. So if you are having friends or family's dogs come over, the best thing to do is introduce them out on a leash. Take it slowly. Wait for them to relax and calm down. Move a little closer. Wait for them to relax and calm. So on and so forth until we're, what we're reinforcing, the behaviors that we're strengthening and increasing, our calm relaxation gets you saying hi to this dog. Okay. So again, not going to go into too much detail with that, but keep that in mind. If another dog's coming over, meet them outside. All right. So, um, you know, the other thing with Thanksgiving day, any holiday for that matter, and, you know, we talked about this with Halloween on the Halloween episode, uh, about how the having people over can be a great opportunity to practice the front door exercise, right? Think about that. That's awesome. Uh, again, to me, I, I personally, I would love if clients did keep their dogs at home and work through these issues. It's not Like I said, it's not always ideal on a holiday, so I'm not judging if you do it or not, really. <laughs> no judgment here. Um, but it can be a great opportunity to practice that front door exercise. If you've got 20 or 30 people coming over, 
then that's potentially at least three or four times, uh, you know, if you've got a dinner all families or whatever, that's at least three or four times to be able to practice that front door exercise. If you haven't listened on how to do the front door, uh, you can go back and check out my segments on the front door and how to create better focus and control there. But again, great opportunity to practice it there. So keep that in mind. Now, we can also make sure we're working our commands, the leave it, the sit, the stay, the lie down, drop it on Thanksgiving might be a very important one. And if we work on all these things, same with the front door, if we work on all these exercises and commands before people come, we're more likely to get success once they do come over, right? So, uh, you know, think about that one as well. You need to practice beforehand. Now, of course, guys, we always want to set our dogs up for success with instances like with holidays, with people coming over. The best way the best and first best way to to set your dog up for success in those in those scenarios exercise yes get out there and exercise your dog a lot the few days leading up to thanksgiving the few days leading up to friends and family coming and staying at the house okay the more you can exercise them and the more you can drain their energy and put them in a calmer and happier state of mind, look, the smoother it's gonna go, I promise you, promise you. Don't forget, right and the wrong way to do the walk. <laughs> Make sure you're doing that walk the correct way, okay? But get your dog nice and tired, and I it's going to help so much. You'd be so surprised. Going back to basics, really, right? Go back to basics to set yourself up for success for the more complicated stuff. And so, you know, Thanksgiving, again, it's one of my favorite holidays. I love it. My family, you know, we actually, we deep, my, my family always deeps fry, deep fries a turkey. May not be in the deep south, but we are in Florida, south enough. Uh, <laughs> but that's our tradition is the turkey gets, you know, injected with all that deliciousness and a great marinade the night before, marinades for 24 hours and then deep fry it. And it's absolutely good. But that deep fried turkey is not going to be the best thing for my dog. So while it's a wonderful holiday and I love it and it's filled with great food, it doesn't always mesh well with your dog. So please keep that in mind. Please be mindful of the dog of the foods that you are feeding your dogs and the foods you're not allowed to feed your dogs. Look, don't forget, also give a heads up to your friends and family and especially little kids. Uh, especially little kids. Sometimes a little kid just wants to share their bone with their puppy and they're not thinking, they don't know. They don't know that bone is not good for the dog. So make sure you talk to your friends, talk to your family, people coming over, kids that'll be in your house. Make sure they understand that turkey bones, turkey, raisins, grapes, all these things we talked about, they're not good for your dog. And ask them to please refrain from giving those foods to your dog. Okay, looking at you again, Uncle Bob, no beer for the dogs. Okay, let's stay away from that. Um, but again, I love Thanksgiving. Just keep in mind what's good for your dog, what's not good for your dog. Decide behaviorally, right? Whether you need to set this up as an amazing training opportunity, whether it's through the front door, getting your dog used to people, used to crowds, or maybe we just need to manage the situation. Give our dog a little space for the day. Put them in their put them in a room. Put them in their crate. That way, we're not stressing them out, and you're not too stressed out either. Stressful enough with all the family and everything going on, right? So we don't need to make it worse on ourselves or our dog. Okay? But take these little tips and tricks into consideration. Make sure you're mindful of the food your dogs are and are not getting, and you will have a nice, calm Thanksgiving with you and your family. And again, guys, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe out there, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. 
Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dog Cast, it's letting dogs on furniture. One of the more common questions I get, should I allow my dogs on the furniture? Should I allow them on the bed? Should I allow them to sleep in bed with me? Right? I definitely get that question a lot. And not everybody wants their dogs on furniture, and not everybody wants their dogs to be off the furniture. And I'm going to tell you who's right. You ready? Both of them. <laughs> yeah, both are right, guys, because whether you want your dog on or off furniture is an arbitrary rule. It really is. It really doesn't matter. Look, until I can ask Fluffy, are you happier on the couch or are you happier off the couch on your wonderful, nice dog bed? Until I can ask him that question on how happy it makes them, and we've talked about emotions in dogs before, <laughs> and until they can answer me, then I can't really prove that they prefer one or the other. I can't, you know, um, because... Someone will go, oh, well, I, I give my dog a dog bed, but they choose the couch every time. Well, guess what? That might be more of an elevation thing. I'd be curious if we had some kind of stool or something that made it the same height as your couch and we put the dog bed on top of it. Would your dog still prefer the couch over the dog bed? I don't know about that. People automatically think it's comfort because that's what a human being, I'm going to, as a human, I'm going to prefer the couch over the floor because it's more comfortable. But that's not necessarily how a dog thinks, guys. Okay, really, first of all, again, prove it to me. Uh, <laughs> don't know how you're going to because you can't ask them. Uh, we're not getting into this. Um, but you know what I mean? It, 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 it's not necessarily a comfort thing. It can be, maybe. But we can see a lot of times with behavior, and especially something like a dog, that having that elevation, having that that elevation above the other dogs, above the pack, if you will, uh, or just being able to see out into the house better. thats a, It's a natural instinctual thing to want to be king of the mountain, if you will, right? So how much of it is the soft, comfy couch, and how much of it is the elevation? Can't really prove it. So, you know, the, this this whole notion that dogs are going to be happier on a couch is, yeah, prove it to me, guys, prove it, okay? So, so whether you want your dogs on the furniture or whether you want your dogs off the furniture, there is nothing wrong with either way. And I want to make sure that that's really clear here. Okay. Nothing wrong with it. I personally allow my dogs on the furniture. I allow my dogs in my bed. My dogs are even allowed to sleep in my bed. However, however, I have clear and concise control over my dogs. I have a command we use, and that command is off. When I say off, you get off, whether it's the bed, the dog, the sofa, it doesn't matter. And they, and they listen. They're wonderful. 
And, you know, what ends up happening is we've actually created a very nice balance that my dogs are not obsessive about being on the couch. They're not obsessive about sleeping with us. We've created a nice amount of control. And again, I don't make it a forbidden fruit to be on the couch. I don't make it a forbidden fruit to be off the couch. And it creates a balance. Okay. Um, so, you know, again, just, just dispel it. It doesn't matter. It's your personal preference. But, but, <laughs> it's all context. All right. And what I mean by this is, you know, for example, actually tonight, tonight is a prime example. I had a, uh, I had an appointment with a client and, you know, the dog is having some issues with space. Okay. Now he's, he's a puppy still learning, but he's definitely got some issues coming up with space and he wants to control space and he wants to control the space you're in. And when you're sitting on the couch and he comes up and literally throws himself on you and he's not a small dog. Some people might go, oh, adorable, he wants to cuddle with me. No, he's he's literally throwing himself physically at you and is trying to control you, okay? Um, and so that's the context I mean. My dogs don't just come up and throw themselves on me, even my chihuahua, you know, even though she's small and it's not going to like hurt that bad. I, she still isn't allowed to just come up and jump on me, come up and throw herself on me. Well, my dogs, if I'm sitting on the couch and my dogs want to come up and lay next to me, what they'll do is they'll come over right next to me on the couch, sit down and look up at me almost to ask, almost, you know, are they really asking? No, that's just the behavior I have patterned and taught them that they need to wait until I cue them. Yeah, come on up. Okay, and then I maybe pat the couch, say, hey, yeah, come on up, no big deal. And they come up and lay next to me, right next to me, not on me. They're not pawing me. They're not whining at me. They're not laying in my lap without me inviting, none of that, right? They come up and they lay right next to me, nice and calmly, okay? So that's what I mean by context. Does your dog just bolt their way onto the couch? Because if they do, with, with, with no sense of boundaries, then I would say you need to get them off of the couch, Right? Um, so, okay, well, we'll talk about this, but so, so how do we do it right? You know, how do we build getting on and off the couch correctly? Um, you know, it starts with creating that control. It starts a lot of times with that off command, you know, teaching them off is more important, if just as important, if not more important than teaching them to come up on the couch, if that's what your end goal is. Right. So what we can do is leash them up as always, right. When in doubt, leash them up. And when we're training, we always want to leash them up. And all you're going to do is once they're on the couch, you're just going to take the leash and guide them off the couch and say the word off. And then once they get off, you say, good boy, good girl, give them a treat. Okay. Light them back up again. Come on up on the couch. Good boy, good girl. Now you don't need to use a treat when they come up on the couch. You'll really only need to use it once they get down. Because when they come up on the couch, usually they're going to get the affection. They're going to sit next to you. They're getting a lot out of it. But getting off the couch, they don't tend to get as much. So I want to make sure we can reward that and strengthen that with food only when they're getting off the couch. Does that make sense? You know, coming up on the couch, they're getting the affection, they're getting the love, they're getting to lay with you. That's a lot of reinforcement. I don't need to give them an, an extra bit. I don't need to give them a treat for that. Okay. But I will give them a treat when they get off because they're not getting to lay with me. They're not getting that affection anymore. So I want to make sure I'm giving them something and really strengthening once they get off. Okay, so important little side note there. Now, once you just do this, guys, handful of times, it's not going to take much, I promise you. Five, 10, maybe 15 rounds of just pulling on the leash a little bit, saying off and rewarding it. You won't even need to use the leash anymore. You'll just be able to say the word off and they'll get right off and you'll keep rewarding it. Okay, just being able to create that control from the start is really important. All right, so think about that. 
start with creating control if you're going to let your dogs on the furniture. Don't just let it be a free-for-all, right? Create that control. What if the dog starts getting too rambunctious on the furniture? What if they start running around like a crazy dog? A common one I hear a lot is it's the end of the night and the puppy goes into the bedroom and starts crazy puppy mode and jumps all over the couch and plays keep away and doesn't want to listen. Ah, well, they should be dragging their leash around already if that's the case. (laughs) That way we're not having to chase them down. I can just either step on the leash or grab the leash without having to reach in toward their collar, without having to try to grab them, without having to make it this frantic thing. And I can, oh, Use that word off, can't I? Yep, off off the bed, good. Maybe put them in a sit and redirect and slow that brain down a little, right? Okay, so really to me with dogs and furniture, the only thing I really care about is control. Do you have control? Do they get off when you say off and stay off? (laughs) Do they come up when I say come up? Do they throw themselves onto you or are they controlled? in the way they come up. Do they ask permission or do they they throw themselves up there? Now, another question I'll get is, so do they have to ask my permission every time to come on the couch? Yes and no in a way. And what I mean by this is, look, we've got a big like, you know, sectional U-shaped couch. And if I'm sitting on one part of the couch and my dog goes over to the opposite end and wants to go lay over there by themselves, they don't need to ask my permission. They can just jump up and do that. I'm fine with that. Um, because again, I've already created that control where if I want to say off, once they get up, they'll still listen to me. Right. So think about creating that control from the start and making sure you're reinforcing and strengthening an off command using treats to reward it. Really important guys. Really it is. Um, so to me, it's not about on or off. It's about control. Now that's, that's like the couch and the family room and the TV room and the living room. But when we start moving to the bedroom, it becomes a little bit of a different story. Okay. I prefer to start these exercises on the couch and then try to move it toward the bed because the problem is that if the bed is becomes associated with sleeping, the bed maybe can be a little more comfortable, arguably. I don't know if they're viewing it that way, that way right? Um, but they tend to associate it also with like, uh, you go into the bedroom at the end of the night and they know they get crated at the end of the night, especially puppies. This is the common one for puppies. That's part of the reason they go in and start crazy puppy mode on the bed is it becomes a matter of control. They're trying to control you and not go to bed. It's like a little four-year-old throwing a tantrum going, I don't want to go to bed. I don't care that it's my bedtime. It's it's that same kind of concept, right? Okay. So again, if you can already set them up on the couch and practice it somewhere there where there's not that end of the night trigger, if you will, it makes it easier to control the bedroom once you get there. So I prefer to not really let a dog up on the bed at first and more focus on the couch and the furniture out in the main area of the house then we can actually, by by doing that, we'll create more control once we do get to the bedroom. Now, dogs sleeping with you guys, you know, you look, you've you've heard my, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard my thoughts on crate training. Now, no matter what, older rescue dog or a young puppy, guys, you should always crate your dog first. You should not immediately let them get in the bed with you. You need to establish rules and boundaries first. Same thing with the couch for that matter. I'm not just going to immediately let a rescue dog out. Nemo, prime example, Captain Nemo, about a year and a half old when we got him. Um, And when he came home, he was not initially allowed on the furniture. He wasn't because I had to establish some rules and boundaries. I had to make him. It was clear he didn't have a pre. He wanted to go up on the furniture, but he was making it a control thing. He was getting frantic and running all over the couch with no boundaries, jumping over the back of it, paws everywhere. There was no rules to him. 
So in order to create structure, in order to create rules, I had to take the couch away from him essentially, eliminate that, create the control first, then we slowly reintroduce it. That's why we wanna start with the control on the couch and out in the main area and then move it into the bedroom, okay? Kind of see what I'm doing. We wanna take baby steps and build it up there, right? So letting dogs on furniture, again, personal rule, but let's, let's, let's get, sorry, let's get back to the bedroom and the bed. As far as your dog sleeping with you. So again, like I said, my rule is I wanna create the dog first. Then we can start slowly maybe when we let them out first thing in the morning, we let them pee, they do their business, awesome, we come back in, and then I'll let them come up in bed with me and snuggle for a half an hour before we wake up, right? That's how we can start to move toward getting them out of the crate and sleeping with us, if that's your end goal, okay? Um, I don't just immediately get rid of the crate and go, okay, you can sleep in bed with us now. That never really goes over well. (laughs) Again, to me, I equate it as, let's give you the rules for a four-year-old, and then one day we're just gonna give you the rules. We're gonna gonna skip five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and we're gonna give you the rules for an 11-year-old. It doesn't work that way. You have to go year after year and learn slowly and build, and it's no different for your dog when it comes to these rules. So, um, you know, a crate and letting your dogs on furniture. Amazing how the two... (laughs) correlate together, isn't it? Um, So think about that one, guys. Create that control first and then slowly let them be integrated into the bed if that's your end goal, okay? Um, If your dog does start to become possessive or controlling over over the furniture, then guess what? Furniture disappears. You're not allowed up there anymore until you relax, calm down, and give up on being obsessive about the furniture, once they give up that obsession, then they can, we can slowly start to reintroduce the furniture again, okay? But right now, I'm telling you, if there's any of you out there that have dogs that growl at anybody when they're on the couch, that don't want to let you sit down, that every time you sit down, they have to jump on you, these are all control issues, and they are not healthy, and you don't want to let them happen. So we need to get our dogs to surrender control of the furniture before we can allow them on the furniture. That's the way I see it. it look, training is about one word, one, control. That's it. And if you can create control in all these different aspects of their life, the happier and healthier they are, okay? So absolutely, you are allowed to let your dogs on furniture and you are equally allowed to not let your dogs on furniture. I'm here to tell you that it is a personal rule. It is a personal preference. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, okay? My personal preference, my personal rule, I allow my dogs on furniture. I allow my dogs on my bed if it's controlled. Always in the right context, guys. As long as it's controlled, I have no problem with it. But again, whether they're on, whether they're off, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Either way is good with me. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Pot Cake. Now, the pot cake, they're actually a non-registered mixed breed, and they hail from the Caribbean found on several different islands. And they can range from anywhere from 30 to 60 pounds, and they're an intelligent, resilient, and calm dog. And the pot cake really has made a big name for themselves. They're a very hardy breed, and they even have really tough stomachs that can handle a lot of things that most dogs can't. Now, pot cakes are often described as having a shepherd mix-like look about them, but the appearance really can vary island to island. They often take on the looks of a hound, a mastiff, spaniel, terrier, or even retrievers. Now, they typically have pointed and cocked ears, a nice long face, and a smooth coat without an undercoat, although they sometimes can have a rough and shaggy look to them too. 
being that they were bred from a wide variety of dogs, they really come in a wide variety of colors too. Now, pot cakes can be a bit independent, so proper training is a must. The pot cake has a bit of an overpopulation problem in a lot of the islands. You know, in Nassau alone, there are an estimated five to 8,000 stray dogs. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's crazy. But there are efforts to help alleviate this overpopulation problem. And there's even many rescues in the United States that import the dogs and adopt them out. The Humane Society of Grand Bahama, uh, you know, they're actually located in Freeport, and they ship dogs to Florida on ferries uh, also to adopt them out. Now, the canine charity Outpaws airlifted 1,001 pot cakes, kind of sounds like a Disney movie, uh, from the Caribbean to Denver, Colorado in 2013, and they placed them all up for adoption to Colorado families. Now, the 1,001st pot cake, you might wonder why 1,001, the 1,001st pot cake wandered into camp shortly before the plane took off and was included in the group. Additional programs exist in Puerto Rico, St. Croix, and St. Lucia as well. Now, the name pot cake is derived from the term for the congealed rice mixture at the bottom of the family cooking pot that Bohemians traditionally fed to their dogs. The pot cake, like a lot of mixed breeds, is a very hardy and healthy dog. Being that pot cakes have been strays for so long, only the strong and resilient dogs survived, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, now, this actually makes the pot cakes stronger and healthier than the average American breed. Kept in good health, they can live from 10 to 12 years, although it's not even heard of to uh, hear them live up to even 15 years. Now, the pot cakes are their origin to many different breeds, as we said. However, there are three types of dogs that may have contributed to their early development. Dogs of the Arawak tribes that were brought from South America to the Bahamas may have contributed. Terriers protecting cargo from rodents arrived on ships in uh, New Providence and the Abaco Islands, and then there were the dogs from North Carolina that accompanied Loyalists during the American Revolutionary War period. It is also likely that Spanish settlers who brought their dogs also contributed to the early gene pool of the pot cake. And then, of course, in the 20th century, even more dogs and breeds were added to create the pot cake dog that we know and love today. The answer to today's trivia question, where is the turkey native to? Mexico. Yes, wild turkeys are actually native to Mexico. Now, interestingly enough, wild turkeys were taken from Mexico by European explorers in the early 1500s, were taken back to Europe, domesticated in Europe, and then brought to North America. You know, interesting that the turkey didn't, the domesticated turkey had to go to Europe to find its way back to North America, and then, of course, become a part of our Thanksgiving. Now, another interesting thing to note is the domesticated turkey has a white tip tail, while the wild turkey has a black tip tail. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Bobby from Muncie, Indiana. Bobby asks, did the pilgrims bring any dogs over on Mayflower? Love it, a Thanksgiving-themed question. How awesome. Uh, yes, actually, they did. However, there were only two dogs. You know, interestingly enough, the Mayflower, you know, they didn't really bring any large livestock. And I'm sure part of this was they had no clue what to expect and and um, and supplies. And, you know, it takes, I mean, can you imagine bringing large livestock on a ship? Um, so, no, interestingly, the Mayflower, there was only two dogs on board, only two, an English Mastiff 
and an English spaniel. And we only know this because there were a few occasions that the pilgrims actually mentioned this specifically in their journals. Uh, really interesting. So we do know that there might have been some chickens, some pigs, and maybe some goats on board. Um, but really the interesting, uh, the dogs are the ones that were mentioned in the journal, and there were only two of them. That's a great question. You know, after the Mayflower came over and there was more ships, you know, following that, sure, they brought over more dogs, more livestock, things like that. But yeah, fascinating. On that first trip, only an English Mastiff and an English Spaniel. Next question. This comes from Mackenzie from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Mackenzie says, My new rescue dog is a little bit underweight. We are feeding a lot of dog food, but are there any other ways to help her gain some weight? Great question. Uh, you know, definitely, definitely. There's, there's a lot of good things we can do that are healthy. First and easiest one is a tablespoon or two of olive oil. Yeah, you know, olive oil is actually a pretty healthy oil, even for us. And it's one of those things where it can, it, can, it can actually help with their coat. It can be really good for their skin. And of course, it's oil. So there's fat in it. <laughs> so it's a good healthy fat. It's a good way to help add some extra calories and to definitely add some weight. I've had some good success with that. Now, you can also use sweet potato yams, canned sweet potato canned yams. If you want to boil them up and get fancy, by all means. Um, but really, you can just get the canned stuff. And again, a spoonful of two, three, depending on the size of your dog. Uh, you can add that in with each meal. It's not going to cause any harm. You know what? Sweet potato, and you, guys, they've got fiber in it. They've got vitamins in it. It's good stuff anyway, but it's another great way to add on some calories and put some extra weight on your dog in a healthy way. Um, you know, those are my go-to. Pumpkin is another one. You can use canned pumpkin. That's an, you know, pumpkin, sweet potatoes, and olive oil. Honestly, those are my three go-to because they're healthy, they're natural, they have good stuff in them that's good for your dog. It's not just adding the fat and adding the calories. There's other good things. Uh, but that's a great, great question. You know, we deal with that a lot with rescue dogs where these poor dogs are on the street and they've had to fend for themselves. They don't always have a meal and they come in a little skinny. And even just from the behavioral and training perspective and separation anxiety, those kind of things, getting weight on your dog qu not quickly, but not too quickly, right? You don't want to do it too fast, but getting that weight on is important to create better mental health for them. Because what happens is when it just like a person, you know, when you're hungry, you can't help but think I'm hungry. When, where and when can I get food, right? That's how we, so imagine if you're really hungry, like a dog like that, it almost puts them more into that instinctual fight or flight mode. So getting that weight on is very important. And again, sweet potatoes, yams, olive oil, or even some pureed pumpkin, canned, canned sweet potatoes, canned yams, nothing wrong with that. Those are great ways to add weight in a healthy way to your pup. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you guys so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, don't forget to do so right now. All you Apple podcast listeners, if you love what you're hearing, click that five-star review. Have a happy, safe, and healthy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.